the germ of today's homily was actually conceived in this place. Bouncing off a very good question some of you may remember. Why did God throw Jesus under the bus? (laughs) It amazes and pains me how the Bible is used and abused, innocently and sometimes on purpose. Recently, a man of literalist persuasion said that the United States is inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you as to what constitutes a marriage. My question is, can the modern mind differentiate between a living faith and customs of a past culture? The model for biblical marriage was mostly polygamy, I need to remind people. Today's gospel adds to that confusion as John placed in Jesus' mouth a highly developed theology of the Eucharist. Both cases give reasons why people pass by St. Luke's and other churches on their way to the beaches and that wonderful farmer's market. Religion seeming to be irrelevant non-sequitur in their lives, virtually invisible. And sadly, I often don't blame them. Many of those people, maybe you, share the thought of a playwright I heard on PBS Fresh Air, who said, I wish I could believe in a superstructure behind the universe that cares like the Bible portrays. For many people, all ages, Holy Scripture no longer makes sense in our worldview, and they've given up trying to understand it. Plus, and this is really damning, I think, The church has been afraid to be honest about what we do know. So how can we read the Bible? As your writer Ratley says, the books of Hebrew and Greek scripture scripture were written for the people living back then, not for us. I ran into this at the grocery store the other day when this woman says, well, I'm just trying to find out what all that prophecy is about for us. I said, well, I don't think it involves us at all. You don't? (laughs) No. How do we decipher meaning and relevance for us living in the present-day reality of the 21st century? Like I say, questions raised here evolved in my 10 rules for reading the Bible. So fasten your safety belts. Rule number one, we live in mystery. We'll never understand what happened two and 3,000 years ago, but we do have tools like archaeology to help. Plus... We have that wonderful gift of the three-legged stool of Anglican tradition, tradition, scripture, and reason. God did not intend you to leave your brain at the door of the church, nor should we clergy withhold from you discoveries learned and taught in seminaries during the past century, for God's sake. I need to tell you also, lay people also get upset with that new learning. I can testify. Rule two. Dates make a difference. Remember, as you've heard here often, Mark's gospel was written after the destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD. That's three generations after Jesus' death. Using Mark's timeline, Matthew and Luke wrote their gospels around 80 to 85, expanding Jesus' story in response to Jewish and pagan audiences who wanted to know more about Jesus. And, 
adding birth and resurrection stories, which I think are all completely theology, not history. Remember, Mark simply began his gospel with Jesus' baptism and ended with the empty tomb. Years later, someone added little bitty paragraphs because they really need a resurrection story there. <laughs> Rule three. Contrary to most assumptions, there are no eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life or death. But little pockets of memory. Remember, David talks to us about pericopes. They're passed down by oral tradition, told over and over, polished like stones rolling in a stream. Only when Jesus didn't return, as hoped and expected, did those little gems of memory get written down. Rule four. All scripture, everything and the Old and New Testaments was written in hindsight. Knowing how the story ended, the gospel writers placed insights right in the story, foreshadowing things to come, as good authors do. Rule 5. In that pre-scientific age, meaning was embedded within facts with no thought of differentiating between the two. To make sense, scripture must be read in its historical, cultural context to discern what is fact or not and to find the truth of meaning. As your rector is fond of saying, the Bible is true and some of it actually happened. Rule six, there was no magic. The laws of the universe worked back then exactly the same as now, just understood differently. The universe can only exist through order. Even in chaos, there's order. And God doesn't interfere without messing it up. People in drought areas like Texas may pray for rain. I believe in weather patterns. So when you read any of the Gospels, you're not reading the front page of the newspaper. You're reading the editorial page. Please keep that in mind. Example, Rule 7. John's Gospel written around 95 A.D., is primarily a theology. He even broadcasts this intent by beginning his gospel with that elegant introduction. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's practically yelling, remember, I'm writing a theology here, everybody. And a high and beautiful theology it is. Meaning wrapped in memories of history. Notice, too, that the more time receded from the time that Jesus lived and died, the more the human Jesus was pictured as the divine Christ. Rule 8. The writers of the Bible were more sophisticated than to be read simplistically or literally, as we try to decipher what they were trying to communicate, what they had discovered, remembering that we live, live at least 500 worldviews away from their perspectives. We can enter their worldview, but we don't have to live there. And that's where a lot of people get into trouble. They keep trying to live in that mindset, and it just doesn't exist. Without understanding that, the Bible can become a barrier to faith and to our relationship with Jesus. Rule 9. Speaking of Jesus, how many of you here, because most of you have heard it before, know what Jesus' real name was. Remember? Joshua. Joshua. In Aramaic and Hebrew, Joshua, Yeshua, 
as they said, which evolved through Hebrew, Greek, and Latin into our English, Jesus. One of my favorite New Testament scholars, Marcus Borg, grew up thinking, as most of us did in Sunday school, that Jesus was God walking around on earth knowing everything. So, Marcus reasoned, if anyone had asked him what is the theory of relativity, he would have said E equals MC squared. Just nobody ever asked him. If Jesus was a real human being, as the creeds affirm, then he didn't have foreknowledge of what was going to happen. In other words, he lived and died by faith, a real human being like we are. I think Les Miserables, I don't know if you've been seeing that lately on PBS, but just wonderful productions of it. It captured a great description of Jesus' spirit. To love another person is to see the face of God. I think that's marvelous. Rule 10. Listen carefully to this one because it may clarify the gospel we heard this morning and the gospels we've been hearing for the past several weeks about the bread of life. Anytime you read Jesus saying things about himself, you are hearing the beliefs of the early church about Jesus, including all the I am sayings found only in John's gospel as we heard today. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Jesus was not an egotist walking around thinking about, bragging about himself all the time. It was his focus on others that made him so transparent. Likewise, any time you hear Jesus talking about his suffering and death on the cross, you are again hearing the words, the creeds of the early church, not the words of Jesus. As a human being, he was limited to his time. He did not know the future, that he would be killed, nor did he want to be. Reading the Gospels, you'd think Jesus knew all along what was going to happen to him, walking around, you know, with all the answers in the back of the book. Speaking lines in a predetermined script, knowing that the outcome was that his heavenly father was going to throw him under the bus as a sacrifice for our sin. But that solution works only in the Hebrew sacrificial system designed to placate an angry God and doesn't reflect Jesus' image of a loving Heavenly Father. You even saw this reflected in today's collect, sent, us, sent him as a sacrifice for our sin. Nor does it allow for Jesus' own free will, his courage and integrity, being true to himself and to his vision of the kingdom of God. Read out of context, without differentiating between history and theology, between the action and the meaning of that action, the Bible is confusing and misleading. Now, always the big question, which my wife always says, so what? I'll tell you that after we break for coffee, questions and discussion. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> 